You're listening to Post Call, Frontline Health Stories, hosted with Dr. Anita Gupta. We'll be featuring a discussion with Dr. Sadell Ross, who's a triple board certified anesthesiologist, pain doctor, and palliative care physician. She currently practices in New Jersey's Veteran Affairs Healthcare System and is an award-winning, classically trained vocalist. She incorporates music into her medical practice as a way of providing comfort to her patients who are battling life-threatening illnesses, as well as patients who are at end of life. She's a creator and host of the podcast series entitled Prescriptions and Song. Dr. Ross highlights evidence in the medical literature that lends support to the therapeutic effect of music and she features guests on her podcast who have dedicated their lives to promoting its healing power through music. So I am so interested in the power of music, personally and professionally, particularly in the treatment of pain. And as you and I both know, we've treated so many patients over the years in Philadelphia on the front lines that have chronic intractable pain. And as an patient and someone that has experienced severe pain in my life, I have recognized the power of, of music in medicine. But I also know that there are skeptics out there that recognize that is music, is it real? Is it something that can potentially help individuals heal? So knowing that you are leading this effort as music, as a healing power, and someone that understands science and evidence and has worked at University of Pennsylvania and currently in New Jersey as a board certified, a triple board certified physician in pain and anesthesia and palliative care. I would love to hear your thoughts on your work and how you're incorporating music in healing. Sure. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to share the work that I do. I think the best way for me to, to start is by giving some anecdotes, right? Anecdotal evidence. This is generally how things start in medicine as we try to figure out what works and what doesn't work. I'll talk about the work that I've been doing in the setting of COVID-19. That's, this is the reality in which we live right now. And I will say that the level of pain and grief and hurt and fear, the levels of all of those emotions were so intense that we needed, we all needed something to help us cope and get through just the sheer terror of COVID-19. Certainly as a healthcare provider, I had my own set of fears and anxieties and concerns. Nurses in the hospital, they were, they were terrified. Patients are terrified coming in. Loved ones, they too are terrified. They weren't allowed in the hospital and many of them weren't sure if they would see their loved one again. So recognizing that there was a need for something to uplift us collectively, I decided that I would try to offer one of the things that has always lifted me, and that's music. Music has always been a source of comfort for me in my life. I've gotten through some of my most challenging experiences with music. And so what I did was offer some pre-recorded videos of myself singing to nurses, the hospital staff at large, patients, and I have to say that what it did was it was an, an 
a unifying force. So there was that. Music brought us together. Music allowed us to share our collective pain, the existential pain that we were all feeling. We were all wondering when, if at some point we would get COVID, if at some point we would die. I mean, the stories that, you were, that you've probably heard from others and that I have personally heard are just, they, they make your, your hair stand in terms of the psychological impact that COVID has had. And, and so it brought us together. It allowed us to share our pain. It allowed us to, to start our recovery which I think is critical because it opened doors of communication for us, for us to begin talking about our experiences. And I will also say that I use music. This was a little different from what I had typically done over the phone with families. Families couldn't come in. They, they couldn't be with their loved ones. They couldn't comfort their loved ones, many of whom succumbed to COVID-19. And, and so what I did was sing to some loved ones over the phone. For those who were interested, I would ask, and some of them were certainly interested in hearing comforting music over the phone, which I sang. They tended to be hymns, spiritual songs, but that too provided a great source of comfort and healing for loved ones. And, you know, taking it out of the hospital setting, like you've seen just collectively in society, how, how we relied on music during this time. You've seen the quarantine parties the, on social media, the Instagram music battles where celebrities get together and, and provide like an entertaining kind of activity for people to enjoy. And over and over again, it was music that we saw all around us try to help us get through this. So again, this is all anecdotal, but... There is a growing body of evidence in the medical literature that suggests that, hey, music actually has some therapeutic benefit, and this is stuff that we need to look at. You you and I both know that there are definite limitations in what we can offer people. As pain practitioners, we've seen that pain medications don't always work. They're not always that effective. And as a hospice and palliative medicine provider, I've also come to realize that there is no pill or procedure or intervention for the loss of personhood that someone experiences when they're living with a life-threatening illness. The, the, the anxiety and the despair and the distress and why is this happening to me? We don't have pill or anything physical, tangible, that we can offer people when they're in the throes of those kinds of experiences. And this is when I have found that music can be so helpful. In one of my episodes, you know, I I talk about the use of music in the care of cancer patients. There was an article um, from the American Journal of Hospice and Palliative Medicine published last year that seems to suggest that there is a positive relationship between uh, music interventions and decreased requirement for pain medication, which I think is absolutely amazing and something that's worth looking into more closely. Because if this is something that we can offer to patients more widely, why not? So... I'm impressed by the fact that there is science and evidence behind music therapy and, you know, the fact that it can open doors and it can bring families together in the grieving process. And I really believe that there are limitations, as we both know, particularly at the end of life and for those families that are left behind, particularly at this COVID-19 crisis, as you mentioned, as a grieve and, and those moments where we don't have a pill to really prescribe. I want to ask you, you've talked a little bit about how there is a difference between music therapy versus music medicine. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Sure. So I will say that what I offer to patients, staff, loved ones is music medicine. You know, it's been said, and, and, and I understand that music therapy in its official sense is offered by music therapists. So people who've been trained in this discipline to use music to guide therapy and treatment during the course of someone's illness. Now, the reality is that not every hospital's setting, every healing space, every clinical environment has access to a music therapist. In fact, I know one big hospital system that doesn't have music therapy available, official music therapy. Hospital budgets, there are all kinds of constraints. And uh, the truth is, this is not something that some healthcare systems budget for. But I would like to say that music medicine can then perhaps help to fill that void because I'm certainly not a trained music therapist, but I've been incorporating music into my practice of medicine and I certainly see the benefit of it. So I would encourage others who have a similar interest to offer that in whatever healing space they might find themselves because the benefits are there. We're, we're seeing evidence of it. And I only think that as time goes by, it will become more widely accepted and more routinely used. And that's my hope. That really is my hope. So there are going to be people that are skeptics, right, right now about music, right? And there's always going to be individuals that are saying, what is this? We just want the pill. I mean, we've seen <laughs> patients that come in and tell us, Doc, thank you very much, but absolutely prescribe something because i've done that i turn the radio on uh, okay thank you very much but can you just please just give me the prescription i mean we worked in philadelphia for years as pain physicians and and some people just won't have it yeah, yeah. i mean what there, there's just so many skeptics out there you know what do you have to say to them i would say that it is abundantly clear that we need to start looking at data. We need to start respecting science. We need to start looking at data. And we need to start paying attention to things that work. We really do. And I think as a healthcare community, as a group of providers, collectively, if we start really paying attention to the data that's out there and delivering a common message, I think we can start making some headway. I think we can start encouraging people to think differently about their health and you know, the way that they care for themselves and the things that they should prioritize. So how did you start thinking about music in the first place? What made you think about bringing music into pain management or into the practice of medicine? Loss of joy. In your practice or life? In my practice, yes, primarily. And also in my, in my life. Certainly there were other things in my life that brought me joy, but in my profession, there was very little. And I felt you to uh, what? Yeah, so I felt that I was just going through the motions and I had this cookie cutter approach to what I was doing, kind of very algorithmic kind of way of doing things. And, and I felt that I was losing myself. I knew that I was not working at my best. I was not my best self professionally. And that was, I was dying inside. Being completely honest and open and transparent, I was dying inside. I was, I, and I knew that I could not continue like that it had become intolerable. So it took me a while. Like I quit uh, for about 
a year. I'd had my first daughter during that time that I'd quit and did a, a lot of soul searching at that time, a lot of meditating, a lot of self-evaluation, trying to figure out if I made the right decision. Was this, you know, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I invested so much time and money and effort into this profession. Oh my goodness. And then I decided to pay attention to myself. As anesthesiologists, we watch vital signs, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We look at vital signs all day. And I realized that I wasn't paying attention to my own vital signs. And in order to start doing that, I had to take a look at the things that made, that have always made my life purposeful and given my life meaning. And music has always been there. It's been that thing that I've carried with me ever since I was a kid. I used to, I told my parents when I was maybe four or five that one day I would be a singing doctor. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, the the singing part is so cute. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, the doctor part, we like that. So, you know, I was encouraged to pursue that and I did, and I have no regrets for doing that. But I have come to realize that I should not have abandoned the part that has always fed me, and that's music. But you know, things happen in their own time, I believe. And now I'm here. And this is a big part of my life, a big part of who I am, a big part of my profession. And I found joy in my work once again. That is such an important lesson that you're reminding all of our listeners about finding joy in life and ensuring that you find passion in what you do. And I think these are whatever you do. And in finding that any point in life. It doesn't matter, young, old, whether you're in the middle of your career or life. It is such an an important point you're making. I think music is so empowering for patients and people. And it has a a important lesson um, that you're making, you know, that you can create joy for yourself and for others, you know, and, and it can drive health and communities during a pandemic. Is there a particular story you want to share about a patient uh, that may have had a significant benefit from music? Sure. The one that sticks out most in my mind was a patient who had come in during his final weeks of life. He had rectal cancer and brought in by his family, with whom he had had an, an with, from whom he was estranged for a long time. This patient was a jazz musician. And, you know, musicians, they're, they, a lot of them kind of, happy-go-lucky. This guy in particular, his his family told me he was a a rolling stone. They never really saw a whole lot of him. He was married to his saxophone, in and out of nightclubs in Newark, just that kind of lifestyle, that type of musician lifestyle. Certainly not every musician lives that way, but there are some that do. And so difficult family dynamics, but from the very beginning, they had said to us, you know, music has always been that thing that has brought joy to his life. Okay. He and I, I had my first um, encounter with him doing my initial evaluation. We start talking about music and I ask him if he would mind if I sang my funny Valentine for him at the bedside. And he looks at me, he's like, what are you, you? What, like, what? <laughs> really? Like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> and so I, I sing it. And at the end of it, he says, you're not serious. <laughs> <laughs> That was beautiful. Not what I expected to hear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he asked me to come back the next day and sing some more. And I continue, we continue to do this. 
Now, the way things are set up at our hospital, our hospice unit is actually not on our, in the acute care facility where I'm based. We have a separate hospice unit elsewhere with a separate hospice team. So he eventually got transferred there. He had told me before he left that one of his dying wish was to have a bedside jam, jam session. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I did was I organized one. I got some friends of mine together. We went out there one Saturday. I remember my daughter was only two years old. She went for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a bedside jam session for this patient. His daughter happened to be there too. She showed up a little bit later. She had no idea that we were going to do this. But she showed up. And as my friends are playing saxophone, trumpet, I'm singing. She's crying. He's crying. They hold hands. And I start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Because I see what was brought about by music, is reconciliation. There is meaning and a sense of purpose to this veteran's life who, at the, when my friends are playing, he's like, oh, I hear the sax and I hear this and that. And he's giving them tips about how they can play and suggesting renditions of songs and versions that they should listen to. So you see him regaining some sense of his personhood. Mm-hmm. And that was just, to date, that has been one of my most powerful experiences, incredible experiences with, with, with music in my practice. He died two days later. Hmm. Powerful story and moving. Yeah. But I'm glad that I was able to grant his dying wish right. and offer healing to him, his daughter. So, and that has inspired me to keep going. So what is your prescription for music medicine for our listeners? If they want to have this and they're part of therapeutic intervention, what do they need to know? I would say they need to know that as long as they have an interest, if there's music that they prefer, if there's a particular genre of music that speaks to them, that resonates with them, that moves them, that touches them spiritually, emotionally, that is what they should request when they enter a space of healing, a hospital, a clinic. And I think that it's not hard to do that. These days, we have all kinds of ways to play music, pre-recorded music, but I would encourage people to make the request. Because again, as I said earlier, a music therapist is not always available. But if music has been something that has been a big part of someone's life and has been meaningful to them and can help them in their healing journey, it really should be incorporated. And we can find ways to do that. COVID-19 has certainly made it very clear to us that we can use technology in the healthcare setting in ways that we hadn't done before and in ways that we hadn't even thought possible. So that would be my advice. Any final thoughts for our listeners? As we talked about a few moments ago, this all came about because I needed to find joy again in my work. And in order to do that, I had to, it didn't just kind of happen overnight, right? I talked about the soul searching and the self-evaluation evaluation. And I also had to get out of my own way. And what I mean by that is I had to actually believe that this would help others as I was helping myself. I had the idea, the thought, the desire to become a singing doctor at age five. But as I grew up, I wasn't confident that this is that the singing and the music was something that I could really incorporate into my practice of medicine in a meaningful way. I've always sung in choirs in my school. I represented my school as solo vocalist and competitions, but I didn't feel that I had the qualifications to do that as a physician. Nobody knew me as a vocalist. Everybody knew me as a physician, and that's how I defined myself also for many years. So it took a shift in almost a, it was a seismic shift really in how I viewed myself 
how I identified myself because I had to gain the confidence to do this work. And I realize now that I was the one holding myself back with all the negative self-chatter and all the noise. Oh, you're not good enough. You know, who's going to take you seriously? Oh, you can sing, but you're not that good. All of this just not helpful, not true. Mm -hmm. So I would say to our listeners, if there's something that you really believe deep down inside you want to pursue, you have to pursue, give yourself the chance to do it. Give yourself the chance because that voice deep inside of us is who we are. Thank you so much, Dr. Ross. Those final thoughts were incredible to follow your voice and to follow music to healing. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Gupta. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. And so good to speak with you again. Thank you for joining Post Call. Frontline Health Stories Impacting Society Today, hosted by Dr. Anita Gupta.